Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. How quickly can you move as a real estate investor? Have you thought much about that? Well, today on the show, we're going to talk about the rise of nimble money and how fast-moving investors find great deals. Today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Do you know what city was ranked number one on Clear Capital's list of highest performing metro markets just this February? It was Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, this is Ken Corsini with Georgia Residential Partners. If you haven't heard, Atlanta has just begun an incredible road to recovering real estate values. With an unprecedented demand from investors and a shrinking supply of inventory, properties in the Atlanta market are poised for tremendous growth over the next few years. At Georgia Residential Partners, our mission is to help as many investors as possible buy turnkey cash-flowing properties in the Atlanta metro area with as little headache as possible. With conventional and non-conventional financing available, we can help just about any investor in any number of situations buy residential properties in this market. Check us out online at gainvesting.com or call our office at 770-924-5450. Don't let this window of opportunity pass you by. Hi, this is Russell Gray, co-host of the Real Estate Guys radio show. I encourage you to join me on June 15th in Newport Beach, California for the Whole Loan Training Seminar with Michael Solis. It's no secret there's a lot of bad mortgages out there. What's a lot less known is how you can make big money buying and selling these distressed notes. Mike's been in the business for many years. He'll be sharing his insider tips and tricks, plus telling you where you can go to find the deals. I'll be there. I hope you are too. Go to realestateguysradio.com and look under events for the whole loan training seminar. Be sure to use the special discount code you'll find there exclusively for Real Estate Guys listeners. Go to realestateguysradio.com and look under events or send your email to wltdiscount at realestateguysradio.com. That's wltdiscount at realestateguysradio.com. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. We're in Dallas, Texas. In fact, we're at EFW at the American Airlines Conference Center, which is a whole other story. But let's welcome our co-host and financial strategist, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. How are you? <laughs> Great. We are traveling around so much that we were looking for a nice studio to record in and found the fabulous American Airlines Conference Center. So big thanks to American right out of the gate for that. Uh, no pun intended. Hey, we're going to talk about something today that I don't think we've talked about in our 15 plus years of broadcast, and that is the advantage advantage nimble money has. Nimble money is the money that can move quickly, that can react, that is not big institutional lethargic money. Yeah, we should call this uh, episode the rise of nimble money. You know, obviously, having come out of the mortgage business and when money was easy, money was fast. I mean, the hard part about getting loans done back in the day when you could get all kinds of conventional financing and all kinds of secondary market financing through mortgage-backed securities and all the investment banks that were funneling money into the real estate market, the clog up was just getting the appraisals done or being able to get the underwriting done. It was just the capacity of people to process the volume that was coming through. And then, of course, when the bottom fell out, everything stopped. And now you couldn't get loans done at all. And so the constipation in the system, if you will, came from a lack of people willing to buy that paper or make those investments. But over the course of time, and it didn't take long, people who were in the financial business recognized the needs in the market didn't go away. And if you were willing to be smarter about your underwriting guidelines and a little bit more flexible in terms of your willingness to hold on to the paper, uh, and of course you had to price it at a point where it made sense. I think we had a guy on our show, uh, George Blackburn, uh, uh, several months ago, maybe even a year or more ago, uh, um, talking about how hard money, the concept of private money coming into the market place was going to have a fabulous opportunity uh, to fill that gap. And that's exactly what's happened. And of course, the beautiful thing about hard money is it gives uh, the borrower the opportunity to what you're saying, Robert, be nimble. Right. So really, we're not going to talk about hard money on the program in terms of the tool, but the idea that what a hard money loan may be is a tool in your toolbox to help you be nimble. Here's here's kind of the picture. You know, what, what you're talking about, Russ, there what was really the, the rise and fall of the big institutional lenders. Who made loans back in the day? It was big, nameless, faceless companies that went to private investors and put together these giant funds. 
And then who used that money? Well, individuals to buy property to live in, but also a lot of us real estate investors. And we're just mom and pops, and we're just down there doing little deals. And when we would talk investor and on our radio show and still do it, to us, that means that's the person who's going to invest in a property. But the investor in a loan is a nameless, faceless person that puts some money into some kind of vehicle to go put to work. It depends on which side of the balance sheet you're on, right? If you're on, if you're on the uh, asset side of the balance sheet, looking at it as the the real estate being the asset and the loan being the liability, the investor invests in the investment, which is the property. That's the side of the world we live in most of the time. On the mortgage side of the world, the real estate is the collateral and the asset is the loan. And so the investor doesn't buy the real estate. That's just the collateral for the true investment from their perspective, which is, in fact, the paper. Right. And this is the idea that there's two sides to every story and neither is right or wrong. Wherever you fit into the equation is great. Here's the concept, though. Institutional money, big REITs and pension funds and hedge funds aren't nimble. They can't move quickly. It takes committees and processes and systems. What you have as an advantage as an individual real estate investor is you can be quick. You can pick up and change markets. You can change providers. You can change strategy. You can get into a property fast when you need to. You can get out even faster than institutions can when you have to. And that's really the concept. And so I think a lot of beginning investors and even mid-sized sophisticated investors think they're at some disadvantage. And how this has come up for us is we've just come back from Memphis, Tennessee. Did a great field trip. And a big hello to all the folks that came with us uh, in Memphis. Some familiar faces and some new faces. Is always great to meet podcast listeners. A great way to understand a market in a short period of time is to get around other folks and to have the professionals lead you through. And it was just extraordinary. But what's happened in Memphis is what's happened in a lot of real estate markets in terms of the single family space. And that is the hedge funds, the big money's coming in buying houses, right? Last year, Warren Buffett came out in the media and said, you know, if I could, I'd probably buy 200,000 single family houses right now, but I can't. And the reason he can is he's not nimble. He doesn't have the system set up to do that. That's not the way that guy operates or thinks. But we are nimble. And a lot of these hedge funds have come in and said, no, we're going to go buy 500, 1,000, 2,500 houses. And we're seeing that happen in several markets across the U.S., and what it's done in Memphis specifically, since we just spent time there, is we've got several providers, folks that are out there providing turnkey solutions for real estate investors, rehabbing houses, tending houses, providing property management, helping out the mom and pop real estate investor to get into the deal flow. Well, all of a sudden these hedge funds come in and because they react and work differently, they're bidding up prices. They're paying too much. The stuff that these guys go, mm, no, I've been doing this 10 years. I'm going to pass. The hedge funds are buying. And so it's artificially pumping up the system again, just like it did with mortgages, just like it did with real estate last go around. Well, I mean, that's what happens because when, when an asset class gets hot, and obviously Warren Buffett acknowledged the fact that this was an asset class that was undervalued relative to fundamentals, and it likely was going to come back and come back in a big way. We've talked about for years the benefit of investing in single family homes, and that's hard. You know, people go through what we went through and they watch those those single family home values collapse and, and they think well how can you say that well we can say that because what we thought would happen is exactly what did happen and that is the federal reserve and the government and corporations everybody went to rally to the rescue of the housing market and lo and behold what are we seeing happening we're seeing asset values in the real estate space begin to come back we are seeing lending guidelines begin to loosen up we're seeing all of the things things we thought we would see because everybody has a vested interest in preserving the values of homes. Now, you can disagree, you know, and I'm probably one of those guys that does with some of the mechanisms by which they do it, but we're not here to discuss the right and wrong of policymaking. We're here to say this is what's happening, this is what they're doing, and at the end of the day, what are we going to do in response to it? And so you've got these guys right now that are coming in that saw the opportunity, that began aggregating capital. Of course, we were watching that, and you would hear on the street, right, that guys were leaving leaving investment banks and hedge funds, and they were forming funds of their own specifically to go after this asset class. And so they form the company, they put together their prospectus, they go to their network of investors, and they begin to raise money. But they're not raising 100000 or 200000 or a million or five million. They're raising a billion, two billion. I mean, they're raising these huge amounts of money. And when you have to deploy that level of capital, there is a degree of inefficiency, if you will, because you're going to have to scoop things up in big, big lots. And when you do that, you're going to sometimes overpay. You're going to get some bad stuff in with the good stuff. 
And inside all of that deal-making and volume, well, it creates some disruptions. It also creates some opportunities. For instance, in Memphis, we spent time with uh, basically three different teams of providers. When you come on our Real Estate Guys field trip, you're going to meet people in the market that are helping investors. And on our trips, there's nothing for sale. It's all about education. But the guys that educate you are guys that are doing it. So one of the groups this uh, week's been doing it about five years. The other group, about 12. The other group, about 20. So they've been in the Memphis market buying houses, rehabbing them, tenanting them, and turning them over to investors for many, many years. Before and after the crash. Well, absolutely. That's the whole time part of it. Well, all of a sudden, the new guy in town comes in and is trying to buy up inventory and compete. So how do you compete when you don't have layers of experience and years of practice? You overpay. You buy stuff the other guys won't. Then it comes to management. Well, we went around the room. We had some of the most proficient managers in the marketplace of this asset class, single family and, and small unit managers. And we had four of them this weekend. And we asked, now, are you guys, you know, being hired to manage these assets by the hedge fund? And they all said, well, no. A couple of them were approached and said, we're not going to do that. I mean, we've got our own business. Why would we be diverted to go do that when that's a flash in the pan? So who is? Well, basically, nobody with much experience. You're either getting the also-ran, the, the property manager who didn't have any other business and nothing else to do, or many of the hedge funds are self-managing portfolios. Now, think about their background. How much single-family real estate experience do they have? None. Most of them don't even live in a house they own. They, they rent apartments. Well, I, the thing that happens in a lot of these cases is Wall Street is basically geared to invest for capital gains. And so they look at an undervalued asset class. They're going to buy that asset class. They're a lot less concerned with the cash flows and the, and the nitty gritty of the performance of the asset. They're really concerned with inflation and perhaps a supply demand imbalance and the idea that this asset class, especially with the inflation just in commodity prices and the growing renter nation and all the things that we've talked talked about over the many months uh, on this program, you know, when, when new housing begins to come out of the ground, just by definition, the cost to build is going to pull up the things that already exist. So they recognize the opportunity to buy existing inventory below replacement cost. But from a cash flow perspective, that can be disruptive. And when you're in a market competing with people that are operating with a degree of disregard for the cash flow, uh, it can maybe be a boon to some tenants for a little while, but it's definitely going to be problematic for people who are competing with that for a little while. And these guys know that it's going to be a headache. Now, again, mark our words, if you would, and you know, the podcast lives forever. And if you're listening on the radio show, go, go grab the podcast and download it and save it and then come back and visit with us in a couple of years and see if this is true. This is just a hypothesis, but we're guessing that these hedge funds are going to wake up one day and realize they bought a lot of problems and they're going to begin to dump that inventory again. It's going to create a whole new cycle of opportunity similar, maybe not as bad as the one we're in right now, but a whole new cycle of opportunity for investors, true investors, people who really understand real estate to come back into the market to begin to clean that up a little bit. So it's in these little cyclical disruptions that you have to adjust. And it doesn't mean the bottom's falling out. It just means you have to be nimble. Well, and that adjustment is exactly what you can do when you're a nimble investor. We're going to talk about specifically what's happening in these markets where these hedge funds are, and then expand that to the discussion of how does that give you an advantage in today's real estate market. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Live nationwide, you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. If you love real estate and have always wanted to own your own business, listen up. The Real Estate Guys and their panel of experts want to teach you how to go full-time fast in the real estate syndication business. These next few years may go down in history as one of the best times ever to acquire investment real estate. There are deals everywhere if you know where to look and how to assemble the resources. The Secrets of Successful Syndication Seminar will show you how to make big money doing big deals from a team of experts that have syndicated projects totaling more than $1 billion. Don't wait for someone to give you a raise or create a job for you. Attend the secrets of successful syndication and learn how to build a team, raise capital, find deals, and make full-time money in six months or less. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. All the big players use syndication as a way to diversify risk, optimize profits, and earn big money. You can too. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. 
Are you ready to profit in paradise? Hi, it's Robert Helms. And if you think real estate investing means tenants, toilets, and termites, think again. Located just a short plane ride from the U.S., a virtually untouched paradise awaits. The beautiful country of Belize. When you go to Belize with the Real Estate Guys, you'll spend four fabulous days discovering one of the most intriguing real estate markets I've ever seen. With its jungle rainforests, pristine beaches, and 81-degree turquoise water, Belize is one of the most beautiful places on Earth. Plus, it's considered one of the top seven tax havens in the world. And why U.S. real estate continues to drop, Belize property is on the rise, and many experts think the best is yet to come. But don't just take my word for it. Come experience Belize firsthand at our upcoming investor field trip. When you join us, you'll discover the many reasons we love Belize, like tremendously undervalued beachfront land, super low taxes, ease of doing business, and so much more. Get the details at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on events. See paradise for yourself. Click events at realestateguysradio.com, and I'll see you in beautiful Belize. Hi, this is Anthony Mercury from Hotel Impossible, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. And welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show. However you're listening to us, we appreciate it. Tell a friend about The Real Estate Guys. We're talking today about the nimble money, the folks who can move quickly in a marketplace and what that advantage is. So we've been talking a little bit about the hedge funds, and we just happened to come back from the Memphis Field Trip where our providers say, hey, this is real, it's in this market. But we also had a gentleman who came, it's been a lot of our events, who's in a neighboring market. And we said, so, same thing for you? And he said, no, the hedge funds haven't found us yet. Right. Uh, well, that's interesting. Then we got talking to one of the Memphis providers who said, well, I'll tell you what we're doing about it. We're moving a county over. And a county over, they're not even in the marketplace. They're not looking. So that wasn't our primary area of focus, but we still can get properties priced well, properties that rent well. There's demand out there. So again, I'm looking at both these guys going, well, that's what Nimble does. Yeah. So I am, uh, it's no secret that I have a background in the office supply business of all things. I spent some time in corporate America selling office products, uh, business to business. And I was in the business before big companies like Office Depot and, and Staples got into the game and Costco began coming out and they were doing the warehouse sales and so on. And then Office Depot was the big player in the market. And I had a chance one time to talk to one of the high-level executives at Staples, and I noticed that they did not go into the marketplace, and, and Office Depot would go directly into the center of the large metro. They would go into the center of San Francisco or the center of Silicon Valley or the center of Sacramento or the center – I mean, I'm naming off California because I was in Northern California at the time – but they would go into the major – parts of the city. Sure. Staples would come in and go, look, we could go in and we could go head to head with them at their strength and get killed trying to compete on price because they're the big dog. We're not. Instead, what they would do is they would go into the peripheral markets. They would end up in the Central Valley. They would end up down in the far South Bay. And of course, if you don't know the geography, you don't know what I'm talking about. But the strategy was we can maintain good margins. We can develop a distribution base. We can get critical mass to have a toehold in the geographic region without having to go head to head with the bigger player and then as we get bigger or they run into whatever normal competitive issues happen we will be in a position then to make a move well fast forward and you may or may not follow the office products industry i still do just a little bit out of curiosity just for uh, you know nostalgia's sake and staples is now the dominant player in that space and it's surprising to me, Costco going up against Walmart or Walmart going up against Costco, same thing. If you've been in any marketplace where Costco had a presence, you would see Walmart come in, not head to head, but they would come in on the periphery and then work their way in. And I'm listening to these guys talk in Memphis and I'm thinking, that's brilliant. Why go head to head with these guys, especially if you don't think they have staying power, move out to the periphery a little bit where they're not there yet, make your money, live to fight another day and understand that sooner or later, because of the way they they're playing the game, the probability is they're going to leave a new mess for you to clean up and you're going to move right back in and continue to make profit. And that's being nimble. On the real estate side, I'm imagining that Staples also probably got more favorable lease rates and probably got more concessions yes. and that Office Depot in the meantime had to pay top dollar to be in those locations. So it's just a strategy. You know, quick aside, we had a commercial broker who came in this week and who does a great job in Memphis, been there a lot of years, almost 30 years in the uh, in the Memphis commercial market, controls the market, the, the big player in, in uh, the multifamily space. And he was talking about how many years ago, one of his clients was Burger King and he was working with them to find locations. And he said, now tell me about, you know, kind of what you're looking for. And they're like, and, and the answer was, well, what we're looking for is to be as close to McDonald's as possible. And he said, okay, great. Well, let me understand a little bit about the demographics and what you're after. And they said, 
we want to be as close to McDonald's as possible. I mean, that was their strategy, yeah. right? They wanted to be on the kitty corner of where McDonald's was. Follow the leader, we call that. And we can learn from that today as we look at our institutional investors. And it's not just hedge funds buying houses. It's REITs buying big apartment building. It's big insurance funds that are buying shopping centers. Those big institutional groups, they're lethargic. They move slowly. They're methodical. They put a lot of thought and research in. But they also concentrate typically on the top 50 MSAs, Metropolitan Statistical Areas. They want to be in the big market. They want to be in San Francisco, San Jose, New York, Los Angeles. They don't want to be up in Sacramento or over in Anaheim, right? They want to be in the main areas. They don't want to focus on those markets that are secondary tertiary markets. And because of that, that leaves room for the nimble investor. Just talking of the two markets that we did this weekend going, wait a minute. So there's there's 700 to 1,000 houses already sold in the last six months to these hedge funds. And that has affected a market the size of Memphis at 1.2 million population. And in a market that's about 800,000, no hedge funds yet. Well, either they're not coming or they're not coming yet, but either way, it spells opportunity, a different opportunity for the nimble investors. So in the market where you see those folks, and they're in a lot of the big markets in Phoenix and in Las Vegas and in markets like that, there may be an opportunity to go right next door. Yeah, I, obviously. I mean, you know, this guy was uh, attending the Memphis field trip because he was kind of scouting out what was going on and see how it compared to his marketplace. And by his own admission, his marketplace hadn't fallen on the radar. Well, I mean, it's it's pretty obvious public knowledge right now that Memphis has popped up to the top of everybody's radar because it's making national news as the highest cash flow market in the nation. And uh, it's fun because we were there a couple of years ago. And this is the whole point about understanding how to look down the the horizon and understand some of the macro factors that are affecting what's happening and, and, and trying to put yourself in a position to be there. And the guys that are dealing with a lot of bulk, the guy that had to leave and raise a billion dollars had to spend a long time sitting on the sideline raising his billion dollars before he could get in the game. Meanwhile, the little guys who could move immediately into the marketplace and acquire properties two years ago really are beginning to be the beneficiary because these guys, as they're pushing up the, the prices and they're taking inventory off the market and maybe not managing it all that well, it's meaning the good inventory that is available for rent is actually in scarce supply, which sounds counterintuitive, right? Because these guys are buying inventory, but they're not buying inventory really with their primary job of being operators. Their primary job is being speculators, controlling the asset, looking for the down the road opportunity with a capital gain. In early 2009, I was approached uh, to be on the advisory board of a fund. I was raising $250 million to go look into markets in the U.S. where there was opportunity. It turns out the fund was out of Canada. Well, fast forward, this fund is now $500 million, and they're just coming out of the gate now. And you know what they're finding? Based on what they were looking for, the market's picked over. They missed it. They missed it. They, they took so much time to be careful about the market and to raise that kind of capital that they missed the market. And that's the point. As a small real estate investor, you feel dwarfed by this, but you shouldn't. You fill a very vital role. You can move quickly. You can change direction when the market changes. One of our providers this weekend was sharing with me that his model for his company has changed at least once a year since we met him. Not because he's defined it differently, but because of what the market has given him. Well, you have to take what the market gives you, and then you have to look at where the market's strong, and you have to exploit its weaknesses. And when major players come into the market, they changed the dynamics. I'm going to go back to my experience in the office products business. There were major companies in the commercial space distributing office products business to business. I worked for a little mom and pop company. And so they recruited the most experienced salespeople, you know, and so I couldn't get recruited until after I'd worked at another company and proved myself as being capable. Then they came and recruited me with a more generous compensation plan. They couldn't buy as effectively as the big companies, so they had a cost disadvantage, but they were able to form cooperatives with other small dealers across the country, and so they leveled the playing field there without having to take on the big overhead. So now they had a cost advantage. They could actually, I could go into the marketplace and sell product at a lower price and earn a higher commission, and the company grew like crazy. Now, ultimately, what happens, as often happens, these guys became successful, sold the company, and now it's part of Staples. <laughs> it took a while. It went through several iterations to get there, but that that's what happens. And so it, the point is they were nimble at a time when the marketplace was rewarding that, and they moved in and it leveraged their ability to keep a low overhead and move quickly against the bigger company's inability to do those things and the fact that they had lots of overhead and had to move slowly.
If you're a regular listener to the program, you may harken back to a show a few weeks ago where we had Mike Solis on the program, and he was talking about the moving these bunches of property that were taken over in this whole downturn in a more effective way. And the example that, that he shared with us and that many folks are doing is they maybe can't handle 40 properties at once, but they certainly can handle a number of properties. And so to your point, they would come together and they would take a, a number of those and be able to move them through a group of people, through smaller investors to do that. Is that possible to do today? That's absolutely possible to do today. Yeah. I mean, what happens, I mean, I'm really thankful for my background in distribution because even though it had nothing to do with real estate, it had everything to do with moving product, whether it's money or excess housing or whatever from source to, to market, right? Yep. From point A to point B. That was the business I was in. It was funny because Memphis is a huge list logistics town. It's all about moving boxes from point A to point B. I was in the distribution business. You had to understand distribution. You had to understand distribution channels. You had to understand how to motivate all the people in the food chain to play their role to get the product. The manufacturers didn't want to sell to the retail customer. They wanted to manufacture. That's all they wanted to do. They would sell to the retailer but if the retailer wasn't big enough, then you had to have a wholesaler get involved. A wholesaler was a person who would buy in bulk because the manufacturer didn't want to deal with little orders. They only wanted big orders. So they'd sell big orders to the wholesaler, and the wholesaler then would break that up into smaller orders and service the retailer. When the retailer got big enough in one particular product or product line, maybe they would go direct to the manufacturer. That's the way the business worked. It's the same thing. When a guy goes out there and he's got a big old fund and he's dealing with an asset manager at a bank that's sitting on top of a bunch of bad paper or an REO portfolio of properties, uh, they're not going to want to parcel those things out one at a time or two at a time or five at a time. I mean, they might move 250 properties or 250 bad notes in one fell swoop, and they're willing to sell it at a big discount for the efficiency they gain just by being able to do that. Enter the wholesaler. A guy can get in the middle of that and say, hey, I will buy that whole lot, and I understand I'm going to get some crap, you know, and I'm going to get some gems, and really nobody knows what's in. It's kind of potluck, but I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to peel off some of it and sell that to some other people that are interested in this type of investment, and I'm going to sell some of it to this guy who's interested in that type of investment. I'm going to keep some of the things that are maybe in my sweet spot, and I'm going to do that. And that's exactly what Mike does in the paper business. When you begin to understand the concept of distribution, you can look at how it's working and then you decide, well, where do I fit in in the food chain? Uh, you know, we talk about the fat cow, skinny cow thing, right? A guy, a guy comes in and says, hey, I want to buy properties in foreclosure. Well, you think you do until you go look at one and realize, oh, my goodness gracious, somebody's going to have to run a six to eight week rehab project full time, take full risk and, and run the risk of not being able to be liquid and then get it tenanted and then milk it for income. Yes, you force some equity, but at what price? especially if that's not your core competency. We just saw this exact thing happen in Memphis. The very first property we saw early in the morning on Saturday was a dog. It was in terrible condition. And we that, had some, that's being polite. <laughs> we had some newer investors who their stomach turned a little bit as they walked through. And, and I loved when Steve, the guy who was doing charge of the rehab, done rehab for years and years in that marketplace, really knowledgeable guy in terms of, of rehabbing property, said, now you may want to hold your nose as we walk through, right? If, if the construction guy says that, it's probably good advice. But they were able to take that property, turn it around, and in six weeks, it's going to be absolutely beautiful. How do we know? Because we saw one that was that same situation six weeks ago. And you look at the pictures and go, ew. And then you look at what they did to it. Now, here's the point of that. They're nimble in their ability to get it done. If I was in charge of that rehab, it would have taken two years and been over budget because I don't know the first thing about rehabbing. I don't have to because I know Steve, right? So the whole premise is, if I was going to come into a market like Memphis and I wasn't in it and I wanted to do some flips and I saw the advantage of the cash flow and I was going to go try to organize a team and find a supply chain for materials and get a good construction crew and all that stuff, I would be killed. These guys go in, get it done, and are able to sell a finished property at a much lower basis than I could ever even acquire it at. Yeah. So, you know, if you're the investor that says, look, I want passive income. I don't want to run rehab projects. I don't want to be on planes. I don't want to be back and forth with contractors and bids and dealing with cost overruns and blah, blah, blah. I don't want to do that. I don't even want to deal with finding the tenant. All I want to do is cash the check. That's what I want to do. I want to put my capital to work and cash checks. All right, well, then you want to buy a fat cow that you can milk, right? That's what you're into. Somebody else whose business recognizes, hey, you know what? There aren't enough fat cows to go around, so we're going to go buy a bunch of skinny cows and fatten them up for guys like you. 
And again, it's just knowing they know where they fit in the food chain. You know where you fit in the food chain. Well, if you keep backing up that food chain, we're, we're back to where we're now looking at guys like Mike and other folks that are, that are dealing in 200, 300 property or note lots. And then again, parceling it down through the food chain. And so as coming back to personal investment philosophy, which we do at every field trip because it's really important, you have to sit down and say, okay, who am I really as an investor? What am I trying to accomplish and what am I good at and what's realistic for me to be successful at? You know, Jim Collins hedgehog concept. What can I be really, really good at? Am I going to be really good at running a, a rehab project or am I going to be really good at cashing checks and maybe go doing whatever I do for a living and making enough money or raising money, you know, through syndication or whatever and going and deploying that capital to people who really know how to get the job done. Lots of ways to make money in real estate and the more nimble you are, the cooler ways there are. We're going to talk more about that when we come back. Also, Real Estate Trivia, your chance to win a prize. Up next, you're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Real Estate Investment Advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. Here's a real estate trivia question for you. What is Elvis Presley's famous mansion, Graceland, and affordable positive cash flow turnkey real estate investing have in common? Memphis. Memphis, Tennessee is home to both Graceland and Terry Kerr's Mid-South Home Buyers. Terry specializes in trouble-free turnkey rental properties. Turnkey means Terry finds, fixes, rents, and manages the property. So all you have to do is put it in your portfolio and collect the checks. It's plug and play. That's music to my ears. Call Terry and his team at Mid-South Home Buyers at 888-510-6838, extension 118. Or find them in the resources area of our website at realestateguysradio.com. It's safe to say that most of us could make a better cheeseburger than McDonald's. Pull up Google for the best recipe, buy the meat, fire up the grill, voila. But there are only a handful of people that have created a business model and system like theirs. McDonald's is successful because of their system, not their food. The infinite banking concept is one of the best financial systems that has ever existed. It helps start the pampered chef, JCPenney, and Disney World, plus thousands of other businesses. Learn more about the infinite banking concept from our friends at Paradigm Life today by visiting www.beyourbank.com or by calling 1-800-870-8670. Hi, this is Simon Black from Sovereignman.com, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show. We're live from DFW today. I think that may be a first. Hey, make sure you make it over to the website at realestateguysradio.com and check out the secrets of successful syndication. We've got the new dates on the calendar, August 23rd and 24th. You can learn how to aggregate capital and make bigger money doing bigger deals before we get back to our discussion on nimble money, it's time to play real estate trivia. Your chance to win a prize by knowing today's trivia question, which, of course, has something to do with real estate. When you hear the question and think you know the answer or want to take a guess, just send us an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. We give away a prize to the first person with the right answer, and then we take all the correct guesses for the week and have a drawing for a second prize. And this week, we're giving away a copy of Tom Wheelwright's Tax-Free Wealth, his great book on how you can create more and more wealth tax-free, especially as a real estate investor. Last week on the show, we were asking where the holiday of Mother's Day was first celebrated. The answer, in Grafton, West Virginia, back in 1908. Here's our real estate trivia question for this week. As we near the end of school, we want to know this. Where was the first kindergarten in the U.S. established? The first kindergarten in the United States. Where did that get established? If you know, or if you'd just like to guess, you can get us your answer to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Be sure to include your name and your physical mailing address so that if you're the winner, we can send you a copy of Tax-Free Wealth. Our Rich Dad Advisor, Tom Wheelwright. And of course, Tom will be at the Secrets of Successful Syndication in August in Phoenix, Arizona. All the details on our website at realestateguysradio.com. That's today's real estate trivia question. 
We're talking today about the nimble money and the nimble investor, somebody that can move quickly, somebody that can take advantage of the gaping holes left when the big guys come through town. Lots of ways to do that. So we've been talking about kind of the finance side and the, and the property side, but the other part is that you can shift midstream in your investment philosophy. We talked about personal investment philosophy. you got to get in touch with who you are as an investor, what you're trying to accomplish, but not be so dogmatic about the way that you deliver that result that you miss opportunity. So one of the advantages you have as an individual investor is that you can see properties that come on the market quicker, right? One of these guys gets a list of a thousand properties. How long does it take to go see them, right? You, you find one property, you'd be out there that afternoon. The way we got a huge toehold into the Sacramento market many years ago, we took many, many investors into Sacramento to buy multi-unit properties and even some single family properties a year before Sacramento became the number one appreciating market in the country. And we were not from that market and we came in and got our unfair share of properties. Here's how we did that. At six in the morning, we would leave the Bay Area on our way up there. Meanwhile, my team back in San Jose would run the MLS for the day. We'd be up in Sacramento before 9 o'clock in the morning, and, and by 10 o'clock in the morning, I'd seen 25 new properties. Meanwhile, the Sacramento agents were just getting their coffee in their newspaper. So we were outworking and outmaneuvering the locals who should have had an advantage over us. We did a clever thing. We got a 916 area code cell phone, a Sacramento cell phone, because when you call with an out-of-the-area area code, these local agents didn't want to talk to you. But when you called from a big real estate company, a nationally recognized brand with a local phone number, they just assumed you were local and they would give you the information because the listing agents wanted to sell the property. And because we had nimble investors that would move quickly and understood, hey, the good properties go quickly, we were able to move a lot of property and a lot of investors made a ton of money. Well, let's go back to that because one of the things, you know, we talk about, we're talking about how to be nimble. You know, we talked about clarity, personal investment philosophy, and I agree, you need to be flexible. You're talking about being hustle, just, just, just being smart. Fast and furious. Obviously being efficient, right? Um, part of it is being organized. I mean, it's very important to be organized. I was on the other end of that back in those days when we had our mortgage company and you didn't just go up there and call up a bunch of potential investors because you were brokering at the time to make these investments. You talked to people who already had gotten pre-qualified, who'd already put their financials together, who already were ready to go with the lender. All they were waiting for was the property. That's the nimble part. That's exactly right. Being ready to get ready. If you had to put down a 5000 or $10,000 or $25,000 deposit and you don't have your money moved around and it's over here in this mutual fund and I've got to cash out some gold, you're not nimble. If you can wire it today, I remember we were once looking at uh, making an offer on a property in a very hot market and they wanted some sort of proof of, of funds. And we pulled over and got an ATM slip that showed we had enough money to buy the property for cash. That got us in the door ahead of another 15 offers. So you got to think differently and you got to show up in a way that is, that is, you know, jumping jack flash. Well, it's especially true in a, when a market begins to get hot, which is what's happening. And a big advantage, going, you know, heralding back to these uh, hedge funds is that these guys, for the most part, are taken seriously, right? I mean, they have deep pockets. And if you're going to compete in that environment, you have to find a way to show up and be serious. You have to convince the, the seller that you're the real deal and that you're really going to be able to close. Obviously, if you have a reputation in the marketplace, that helps a lot. You know, if you make a big earnest deposit or if you like you just talked about Robert show up with a bank statement or something, some financial to show that you really have the money. Uh, that can be another way to do it. Of course, having some type of a letter of credit or some type of pre-qualification letter from uh, a, a lender can also help. So there's things that you can begin to do. And the other thing is, is that if you're clear about what you're looking for and you know whether it fits in your box or not, that's the other thing. Because, you know, there's all of the overt things, but there's the little body language things. There's little things that come up in the negotiation side where you blink or you hesitate or you're not so sure. And, you know, the agent on the other side is kind of getting a gut check. He's like, hey, you know, I've got these three offers right now. And this one guy, I mean, he seems pretty solid on paper. But when I talk to him, he's, mm, he's he doesn't quite seem so decisive. I've watched you many times in deals where, I mean, honestly, behind the scenes, you're maybe not 100% committed, but but nobody would ever know that talking to you because until you're not committed, you're committed. And I think that that's a really important little technique just in deal making to make sure that when you go into the market, whatever you choose to do, be committed until you're not committed because there's nothing to win by being in the middle. Yeah, and you make a great point, which is that a sophisticated and savvy agent on the other side or even a principal is going to read right through that. If you're new and inexperienced, that's why you get a team. A team can help you be nimble, right? Again, 
just having spent time in Memphis, I can't imagine now after spending the last 48 hours with some all-star providers there that anybody could go in and try to compete with that. Even these big companies are doing it well. So how can you as a mom and pop do that? We don't have to. It's one of the ideas we always talk about, which is to come alongside the big dog. Who is the big dog in the, in the market? Who's the market mover? It doesn't matter whether or not you have an opportunity to work directly with them if you can see what they're doing. The big example we use is the Federal Reserve. You may not be a fan of the Federal Reserve. That doesn't matter. If you can study and see what they're doing and why and then align your interests with them, then you're done. You, you, you're taken care of. Well, to me, that kind of brings up the topic of insider information. And, you know, sometimes we think, oh, if I have inside information about what the Fed's doing or what the hedge fund is doing, you know, that's insider information. Maybe, but a lot of that information is pretty well known. And then you think, okay, well, you know, then what would insider, maybe if I get a pocket listing or somebody knows about a seller who's got something or maybe pre foreclosure and that is it. I would make the argument, to your point, Robert, after having been in the marketplace with these guys for the last weekend, um, is, is that guys who know the neighborhood, they, they know the market down to the street. They can tell you, it's not enough to know a zip code is a good zip code. It's like, what street? Is this block better than that block? I mean, we drive through these neighborhoods and we get this tribal knowledge, if you will. And it's, it really is tribal because we've got three different guys who have three different neighborhoods, plus property managers, plus commercial guys. And they're all talking to us about what they see in the marketplace. And what's amazing is how many congruent messages we get from people who really didn't work together before they prepared their presentations. They just came and spoke off the cuff and they largely were saying the same things. And then inside of that were some nuances because obviously they had what they felt was the inside track on their particular area or their particular investment philosophy. But the point is, is that as we were looking through all of that, we realized that if we were to come in and try to navigate that market without the benefit of people that had anywhere from five to 20 years experience doing it, we were at a severe disadvantage. And I'm guessing that, you know, when these big funds come into town, they might send their guy out into the street or they might grab their one real estate agent and they're going to get a degree of that level of knowledge. But the difference is, I mean, a real estate agent is anxious, you know, with all due respect to real estate agents, to get the contract closed. You know, if I know that I can deliver a bunch of inventory and get this guy to sign on the dotted line because he's got a $100 million checkbook – I'm pretty excited about getting to the getting to the closing table as quickly as I can. You bet. Whereas if I am on the property management side and I got to live with the uh, results of what we just did, uh, I'm maybe going to be a little bit more particular about the product types, the neighborhoods that I get involved in, because I've got to I've got to really make that thing work long term. And I think I think what I saw this weekend was the great advantage, or what I would consider to be the sweet spot, which is what you're always looking for, right? Because you're going to have the big players who make it very difficult to compete, and then you. You're going to have the dumb money who make it very difficult to compete. And somewhere in the middle, there's this amazing sweet spot that's left vacated by both those parties where there's huge opportunity and great profits. And I really feel like working in this nimble space with with knowledgeable street providers who've been in the in the business for a long time and are committed to the long-term uh, development of the neighborhood and the long-term development of you as an investor, you've hit this amazing sweet spot that neither of those other people have an opportunity to exploit. We're talking about being nimble in your real estate investing, nimble with your thoughts, with your money, with your relationships, with your strategy. We'll talk about that more and give you some ideas. When we come back, you're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. The votes are in, and this year's Investor Summit at Sea was a massive hit. Summiteers called it life-changing, far beyond expectations, which were very high, and the best summit yet. If you missed the vote this year, then make plans to join us in 2014. You'll spend an entire week with like-minded investors, world-class educators, and real-world professionals, and you'll have a blast. Join the Real Estate Guys for the 12th Annual Investor Summit. It all begins March 8, 2014 in Houston, Texas. Visit Real Estate Guys Radio and click the tab that says Summit to sign up for the advanced notice list. You'll get all the details the minute they get released so you can reserve your spot. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click Summit and make plans to spend a week with the Real Estate Guys and an all-star faculty on the 12th Annual Investor Summit at Sea.
Hi, this is Steve Forbes. You're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Have fun. You'll learn something. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program, the number one downloaded podcast on real estate investing. Hey, in March of 2014, we head out for the 12th annual Investor Summit at Sea. Coming back with us this year, Ken McElroy, author of the ABCs of Real Estate Investing. Peter Schiff, author of The Real Crash and Crash Proof, and an amazing cast of faculty. It's going to be extraordinary. And guess what? The details are up on our website right now. You can register at realestateguysradio.com. Click on Summit and join us for the 12th Annual Investor Summit at Sea. We're talking about being nimble, how you can move quickly and outmaneuver the big players in a marketplace. And there's lots of different ways to do that. And it really gets down to who you are as an investor and what you're trying to accomplish. I think, and the other thing is that really pivots off of is relationships. Uh, more than anything, you know, uh, is spending this time in this market one more time and just recognizing where we're at and what we're able to do because of the relationships that doing this radio show opens up for us. And the fact that people welcome us into their market with open arms, roll out the red carpet, and they share their, their best knowledge with us and they share their best opportunities and they introduce us to their best teammates and players. And we even get people who are competitors normally in the marketplace to work together because they understand that they have an opportunity to be a part of something bigger and better than just themselves, the synergy that happens. And all of that is based on these amazing personal relationships. And so I think that one of the great takeaways, and I hope the thing that we're going to emphasize as we wrap up this episode, is how important it is as you, for you as an investor to not only develop your personal investment philosophy, to not only get organized and be in a position to move quickly, but also to always have at the ready a big bevy of relationships of people, whether they're potential investors, whether they're the, your, your advisory team, whether they're sources of inventory, you want to constantly be growing your network of people that you are connected to who have resources, whether it's intellectual capital, knowledge, whether it's other relationships and people that you can leverage, whether it's money, whether it's access to deals, whatever it is, you want to constantly be building that network and cultivating that network because of all the things you build in your business, whatever you're going to build, the most important thing you build is your network and your reputation. Absolutely. This is a relationship business and the better your relationships are, the better deals you have. One of the things I was sharing on the last day of the field trip, which has been true in my real estate investing career, is the very best deals I've ever been involved in were not on the MLS, were not on LoopNet, were not on Craigslist, were not publicly available anywhere. I was the only buyer shown them 100% because of relationship. Now, you're not going to get that on day one as a real estate investor. So what you have to do is you have to cultivate your reputation as you go along. And here's the outstanding thing to get your brain around. You have but one reputation. And it can take years to build up and 50 seconds to tear down. And everything you do either builds your relationships and builds your reputation or takes away from it. And it is amazing. We sat back and marvel this last week at about a couple of different people who just took out their big old relationship gun and shot themselves in the foot and then admired their own marksmanship. It's just amazing how people who are in a really great position blow it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's hard to be too harsh on them because I've certainly done that myself. But still, the point is nobody's perfect, but you got to be attentive to it. And there's no doubt about that because truly uh, it is the gold that, that, that makes it happen. You know people in your life that you'd rather not deal with. Just don't be one of those people. You want to be the kind of person in the real estate world that you work in and your circles that when you call, people are anxious to take your call. If it goes right to voicemail, that's called a clue. If you can't get a hold of somebody that you supposedly has a relation, that you have a relationship with, well, then the market is telling you something. So guard your reputation closely. So let me give you an example of how powerful a relationship can be and how powerful the positioning or the reputation you build to get into the relationship can be. You know, obviously for the last eight years, been the co-host of the Real Estate Guys radio show. We've worked really hard to build the show up, get credible guests, provide lots and lots of value for the listeners. The surveys after every event are just always spectacular. Uh, it's great. Every day we get fan mail. I mean, it's just fabulous. Thank you guys so much for being faithful to the show. So we start looking at this problem of inventory and these hedge funds and trying to figure out how can we get closer to the front of the line. And some time ago, we were dealing with a guy who was teaching us a little bit about the note business. He goes, look, you guys don't be standing at the courthouse steps. Go buy the note. Because now you're you're first of the line. If you can rehab the note, there's money in that. You can flip the note, but you might also be able to foreclose if that's what you need to do. And then you end up and you don't have to compete. You have the note. Well, 
I thought about that for the longest time, and I thought that's a hard business to break into because there's lots of ways to find the courthouse steps, but how do you find the guy that has the note? And that's been one of the big problems. So, you know, you start researching and looking for people. So that's how we found Mike Solis. Mike Solis is a guy that is in that business, has those relationships, knows where to find the inventory, and he's doing a seminar on it. So I call the guy up. I'm like, hey – Let's talk a little bit. I'd like to understand more about what you're doing. That led to having him on the radio show. Now I'm going down to be at a seminar on June 15th. And I encourage you, if you have any interest in understanding the discount note business and how to make money with distressed paper, of which there's tons in today's market, how to move to the front of the line for access to distressed inventory, come hang out with me for a day because it's going to be fun. I'm not teaching. I'm there to learn. And I'll go to lunch with you. And we'll have a good time. And and uh, we'll brainstorm together. Uh, but but that's how the whole thing happened. It happened because of the real estate guy's positioning and now we're getting into a relationship and now he's opening up the doors of opportunity to these big bulk portfolios of both paper and assets that potentially have the opportunity to solve a lot of problems for some of the other people in our network and now I have a card to play in my relationship building capital job. If you go to the website at realestateguysradio.com and click on events you will see that event with Mike Solis. It's called Whole Loan Training. Check that out and speaking of relationships we have fostered a wonderful relationship with an all-star real estate guy, Mr. Ken McElroy, author of the ABCs of Real Estate Investing, one of the best aggregators of capital and syndicators we know, and he'll be with us for the Secrets of Successful Syndication, August 23rd and 24th in Phoenix, Arizona. It's hard to get an entire day of Kenny's time, but uh, we've got it, and you can be part of that, and you can find out all the details on the website. So get around other investors. Nothing that happens when you go to events like this, whether they're events that we're going to be at or that we put on or that other people put on, is you start to build your network, and you get around people, and you get to find out what they're doing and what's working, what are their problems, and how are they solving their problems. That's the part that there's power in being nimble. It's amazing to me how many people think that we promote these seminars and do all this work to put together these events for profit. Yes, they make money. They don't make tons of money. We could do other things with our time that would make a lot more money. And we're not saying that it's charity, but you know, it's a labor of love because it allows us to create opportunities for us to get into relationships. So full disclosure, we do it because we get great relationships out of it. But in order to do it, we want to open that up and give you the opportunity to get into these relationships. Well, it took us a long time to develop a relationship with Ken McElroy. It didn't happen overnight. It took a while. And we invested a lot of time and effort into doing it. And, and today, people who come to one of our events for a fraction of what it cost us to develop the relationship have the opportunity to develop the relationship too. And so we just don't want you to miss with you know all our hyping of our events for you to get the wrong impression about what it's all about. Yes, they make money. Yes, we want to see you there. Yes, it supports our sponsors. All of those things are true absolutely positively but the big 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 value add for you and for us is that we get to know each other and then we get to connect each other with each other's networks and that's how the thing gets big fast that's how you get on the inside track and really that's how deals get done and it's very very exciting when you get around people that are moving quickly it helps you to understand that too so be nimble in your real estate investing it'll serve you well thanks for tuning into the program today there's still time for you to come on our next real estate field trip. It's to Belize, a very different market, but lots of fun there. An extraordinary opportunity. Come to Belize and hang out with the real estate guys. Until next week, go out and make some equity happen. This episode of the Real Estate Guys radio show is brought to you by Paradigm Life. Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers, low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the Resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. To learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys Radio Show.